Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. And now, welcome tonight's host, John the Vernomatic Verno. Good evening, everybody. As always, new content drops every Thursday night as we escort Rocktober out and welcome in uh, November to remember. We have another classic show for you tonight. We're talking with Michael Sweet of Striper. The band just released their 14th album, The Final Battle. He's going to be on in just a minute, but let me welcome from the metal capital of the East Coast, New Jersey Metal Walt. Hey Walt, how are you, man? I'm good, Vern. Yeah, we uh we nice conversation with Michael. What was uh, fascinating about him is, you know what, here he is in the middle of building a house in Boston. He's on the side of the road. He said he was busy running errands, just a regular old guy, pulled the car over, had a nice conversation with him. We got into the new album, talked a little bit about his history, the band's history, but what I took away most importantly was the human factor. I mean, this guy has had health issues. Pretty much everybody in the band has had health, health issues, right? He had a detached retina, you know, surgery, recoveries. And you know what? We tried to give him the courtesy and just ask him how he was doing. And he went in to explain how he pushed through it, through his faith, because we know he's they're a very religious uh, band, but how he just got out there and, and didn't know what was going to happen day to day. And, you know, to retrain his eyes by looking at that iPads and then was in the studio within a matter of weeks or whatever. It's just amazing. Yeah. It makes what I complain about small. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. The the new album, I really enjoy it. It's heavy in parts. It has that classic striper, but it's modern. So we, we cover all the songs. Well, most of the songs. Walt and I will give our opinions. We'll get his interpretation. It's a nice uh, 25, 30-minute interview. Not a lot of filler. You know, we, we, we shit and get. We get in. He explains a lot of the stuff. Uh, we laugh. You know, we joke. It's, it's a good listen. So um, that's coming up in just a minute. First, I just want to remind you to visit our website. And things are really heating up, gang. Sign up for our newsletter. That's our chance to stay in touch with you. We're uh, pivoting to some more shows Metal Walt and Ian, they're starting a show called Rock and Roll Detention, where they take deep dives into special content. And we're running contests where maybe you could win a contest and get on a show with us. Merch page is opening up in about three weeks. And there's just a lot of exciting things. So go to MetalMayhemROC.com, sign up for the newsletter, download some past shows, and get up to speed on what we're doing here. All right, well, uh, let's get into this episode. We will talk with you soon, my friend. All right. Good listen. There you go. Uh, Michael Sweet, Striper, Metal Mayhem, ROC. Hey, listen up. Now get that popcorn ready and grab a seat. Do it. As the Vernomatic presents this week's feature interview exclusively here on Metal Mayhem ROC. We're talking with Michael Sweet of Striper. Band's new album, The Final Battle, is just released. 
Michael, welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm here in my car, pulled over somewhere, running errands, moving, building a house, heading to the Kiss Cruise this Thursday, and finishing up the Sweet Lynch album. So I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very blessed man. And multitasker as well. I would like to introduce you to our co-host tonight, my good friend Metal Walt from the Metal Capital of the East Coast, New Jersey. Metal Walt, what's going on, man? Michael, nice to meet you. We're doing good, man. Doing down here in uh, that tri-state area where you know it well. Nice to meet you guys, Metal John and Metal Walt. And you guys got to refer to me throughout this interview as Metal Mike, okay? <laughs> okay. We're all part of the metal community, and that's why we're here. Yeah. Uh, again, congratulations on the new release. The final battle came out last week. We both have had an advance. We were able to dissect it. There's a lot of that classic striper sound, the background vocals, the harmonizing guitars, you know, Robert's uh, pounding drums, which I'll comment on later. I think they got more pounding and just, you know, the general striper feel. That being said, I'm going to send it over to Metal Walt and he's going to kick things off. So, Michael, it's a pleasure to meet you after uh, all these years of seeing you down at the M3 festivals and everywhere else in between. Before we get into new release, I, I want to, you know, make it a little more personal and ask about the health of yourself with your retina surgery and recovery, and of course with Oz Fox and his ongoing issues with the brain tumors, and what we just learned as well that Oz's wife apparently just had surgery. So, you know what? We we looked at this, and after listening to the album, we said, man, it's an amazing testament to the dedication of you guys in the band and the craft that you can persevere through all of this adversary and health issues, uh, both as an artist and a person. So how are you feeling? Well, not to downplay any of the health issues going on, but we're all fine. You know, I think what happens often is stuff gets put on Facebook and people assume that we're all dying uh, or, or close to death. And that's just not the case. We're all, we're all fine. I mean, everybody, as we age, we, we all have issues. We all have health issues, and there's not anybody I know that doesn't. Uh, that's my age. So, you know, you just kind of uh, rise above, and you, you fight whatever it is you're fighting, and you get through it, and you persevere. It, me, regarding my personal speaking for myself, my eye issues, it was, it was hell. I'm not going to lie. It was a tough go, uh, and I don't know that I'm still through it, but – I keep reminding myself that there are people out there with far worse problems. You know, I just saw a picture of a, a little girl that was three years old with her hand on her brother's back who's thrown up into a toilet because he's having chemotherapy and he's, he's, he's sick. And I'm thinking, okay, those are real issues. You know, that, that's, that's like, those are bigger problems than mine and what I have going on with my eye. I had three eye surgeries. I can't see out of my eye like I used to. It bothers me daily. It gets bloodshot and throbs and everything. But, you know, it, it, I'll be fine. I'm, I'm still able to, to go out and function in life and do what I do. And I'm just blessed that I was able to uh, get right off of the table after my surgery and go in and record this album and write this album. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blessed man. And I, I'm so happy to say that I believe it's our best album to date, certainly uh, in the second run of the band the most recent run of the band. So I'm thrilled. I'm super excited. Obviously a man of strong character and belief. That's really, really good to hear. 
So the final battle, if we did our statistical check right, I think it, I believe it's your 14th studio album. And the band is, itself has existed for, what, 37-plus years? Um, that's like just an amazing feat in and of itself. So, But getting back to the new album, you know, we don't like to just take a look and listen to the songs. We like to look at the whole package, right? So we looked at the title and the artwork on the new album. So, you know, maybe talk before we get into the songs a little bit about the title. Is there a meaning behind it? And then on the cover, caricature of you guys on the horses with, you know, what looks to be our maker surrounded in the front and center um, I think you've used the same artist for the last few albums. So tell us about the imagery of the, the album cover and also the title. Well, what we were going for with the imagery was the Battle of Armageddon, Christ returning uh, and, and kicking the devil's ass. And, and that's, that's what we were going for. Uh, the four horsemen or angels on horseback are, are supposed to more or less represent the band. That's why each uh, hair, the hair color kind of goes with what we have going on and, and whatnot. And we were purposely going for uh, that throwback feel of to hell with the devil. That's what we were going for. And that's exactly what we were describing to Stan Decker, who did the art, all the artwork since No More Hell to Pay 2013. Um, he's done everything since. He's just very talented. It's a series, if you, if you would, um, a, almost like a, a book series. It's it's an album series, and and if you put every album cover up uh, and make a collage out of uh, all the covers, you're going to see that it's a series. The colors are similar, the artwork is similar, but yet each one portraying something different and with its own signature stamp. Were you guys able to you know be in the same room to write and record? I mean, you said you just kind of came off the the surgical table and you were able to get into the studio and work on the album, which, which is awesome. But how was this whole thing assembled? Was it through COVID or how did it all work out for you guys? Well, it's the same way every album is, is been done. And, uh, I went into my studio right after I came out of surgery, I had to lay down for two weeks on a table and, and I slept on a table and on, on, on a bed when I could face down, I had a face down pillow that was impossible to sleep that way. And then uh, during the day, I had a chair that I sat in, like a massage chair, where I had to position my face looking down at the ground. So I watched an iPad a lot. Um, I, I had to do that for two weeks, and that's to keep the retina, the bubble in your eye, so it floats upwards, pushing on the retina uh, to, towards the back of your eye so it doesn't redetach. That's why they do that. Uh, when I got off of the table, I went in. And uh, went into my studio and I started writing, you know, uh, my hopes were to start before that time period, but I, I couldn't and, and did not. I started writing the album and it was a song a day. I, I went in, came up with the riff and a groove in about 10 minutes. And then and within three to four hours, I had the first song. Uh, I think the first song that I wrote was... Uh, it was, which, which one was it? I think it was Rise to the Call. And uh, once I had that in three to four hours, I sent it, uh, recorded onto my phone, and I sent it to the band. And then I start the next song, and I send it to the band, start the next song, send it to the band until I have 11 or 12 songs. And then they, uh, after I did that process, uh, two weeks after that, 
my retina redetached and I had to go through all that again. And to the day when I rose up off of the table again, we started recording the album. So it was definitely uh, a time for me that I was very apprehensive, very nervous. I didn't know what was going to happen or how it was going to happen. I had a, an eye patch over my eye. I couldn't see at all out of my eye, completely dead. And I had to go in and record an album for the first time ever like that. And it was it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It was tough. But I got through it. And I, I figured out a way to make it work. And uh, it took a little extra time for me to record my parts and, and do what I needed to do. And we got through it. You know, uh, Robert had rotor cuff issues. Uh, his shoulder was really bothering him. Perry had just had emergency dental uh, procedure and his mouth was all swollen for a while. And then Oz obviously was coming off months after his uh, second surgery. And, and everybody was making the best of it and doing their best despite the odds. That's simply amazing. You really are an inspiration as an artist and a person. Like we all say, man, I complain about the littlest aches and pains and man, that's nowhere near what you you went through, but uh, I appreciate you opening up and, and sharing your personal story behind that. So what we wanted to do now is uh, dig into some of the songs themselves. Um, Verna and I have uh, had a couple listens through the album. We've compared our notes. We've even had a little bit of a heated debate over some of the songs. Um, but we want to give uh, you a take on some of our favorites as well as then let you have a little time to talk about the songs. So sure. I'll get into it first. So we have uh, the, the two tracks that lead off the album, Transgressor and See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Yeah. Now, I will say that this is an amazing one-two punch to start an album. These are songs that we could easily see opening up your live show. Um, Transgressor, you have the screaming in the beginning, and then you end it with the big, big scream. And it really just sets the pace of the album on this song. It's got some really, really nice guitar intro work and, and double vocals. You know, got that nice, fast-paced racing song. Then it, that one segues into the second track, and that's got a bigger sound. It's got that eerie feel. There's a big crunch to it and has what I love is that traditional heavy metal march to it that we're all, we all love going back to the D.O. days and everything else. And, the, you know, the vocals just move right along there, and it really showcases in you personally, Michael, that you have maintained your vocal prowess and you have the pipes to show it. So... Talk to us a little bit about those two songs to open the album up. Well, I mean, those are two powerful songs. I think uh, my personal pick between the two, as much as I love See No Evil, Hear No Evil, would be Transgressor. Um, the thing I like about that song is it's like jumping on a roller coaster ride, a new fastest <laughs> roller coaster roller coaster ride in the in the land at, at a new amusement park, and you jump on it, and, and from beginning to end, that's that song. And that's what it feels like to me. Uh, you don't get to breathe throughout the whole song. And I love songs like that. You know, there's a lot of energy and passion that goes into that. I sent it to our agent uh, when we first finished it. He was one of the first guys to hear it. And he called me up and he said, I feel like I've been violated in a good way. And <laughs> I thought I thought that was an interesting way to describe it. And so true. That song is just a you jump in the ring and you're, you're, you're duking it out with the, with the heavyweight champion and you're getting punched up and, and it hits you right in the face, man. Uh, but yeah, those were two songs. It's always tricky sequencing an album and you want to do it with caution and care. 
because if you don't get it right, it's not going to flow right. I think we we got the sequence pretty pretty right on this album. Oh, I definitely agree. The sequencing is solid. It's uh, it's a ride. You know, the album comes in about 40, 42 minutes. Each song's that three and a half to five minute mark. They get right in and right out. Now, the, the, the little block of songs I want to highlight is what I call an air quote, the radio songs, if you will. Yep. Same old story and heart and soul. Now, again, very tasty, crunchy opening riffs. Uh, classic Michael Sweet on vocals. And on the same old story, I like the way once the chorus comes in, it's definitely a, I think, a radio song. Comment on these songs. Was that a premeditated air quote radio angle or it's just what came out? It's just what came out. It wasn't premeditated. Uh, the reason why we went with same old story over heart and soul as a single in a video is because we sent the song out uh, to a number of people and kind of did a test with the song and everybody came back with same old story. And what was interesting about that song is um, it doesn't just appeal to folks our age but it appeals to, to the younger folks. Like when we sent it out to anyone that was under the age of 30, that's the song all the people that are under that age came back with. Same old story, same old story. So there's a little bit more of a modern appeal there, present day appeal to younger generation. So that's why we went with that song. As some of the diehard fans might not say, oh, that's the best song, or I don't know if I like that as much as this or that. And it's to be understood, and, and I, I, I get it because it's a little different. It's not really 100% typical striper, uh, but yet it's got all those striper qualities that you expect and that you recognize instantly. Now, the track, The Way, The Truth, The Life, um, not really up to speed on the chronological contribution of Perry Richardson. Is this Perry's first recording session with the band? No, Perry's first recording session with the band was the last album, which is not even, not even, uh, even the devil believes, <laughs> not even the devil believes would really change the meaning of that. <laughs> it's even, yeah. even the devil believes. Okay. Well, the track, like I mentioned, the way, the truth, the life, the bass on that low end really drives this track. I, you know, I listened to it a few times in the guitar and the vocals again, just catchy vocal work. I guess it's my uh, guilty pleasure song, if you will. Comment on this song. I'll tell you, I'm happy to hear you say that because you guys are metalheads, right? And uh, yeah. a lot of times metalheads aren't as open-minded about songs like that. And they'll they'll skip them or say, ah, or, or especially a song like Near. They'll say, oh, man, I, I just can't stomach Near. But you got to understand I grew up, we grew up, uh, but speaking for myself, since I'm the only one talking right now, I grew up on Loverboy and Journey and Survivor every bit as much as I did Priest and Maiden and Dio. Uh, so I love mixing it up. That's a different side of Michael Sweet that I love to pre represent. Uh, so a song like The Way, The Truth, The Life, that's one of my personal favorites. I just think that has a killer groove and it's hooky and catchy. I think that song would stand a good chance at radio as well. Well, like I said, a guilty pleasure. And a guilty pleasure isn't always, it shouldn't be uh, perceived as bad. Uh, quick fun fact, 
1984, me and my father took the family to see Michael Jackson victory tour. Oh yeah. That's, you know, yeah, we're, we're cut from the same cloth, but, um, exactly. Great track, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm a big fan. You know, growing up, I, I remember going camping with my grandmother and my grandfather and my grandmother would pop in an eight track, you know, in, in their truck camper. Uh, she'd put in, uh, Elvis Presley and then she'd put in Al Green and then she'd put in, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. And then she put in a uh, Black Sabbath. I mean, my grandmother listened to everything. She loved everything. What Sabbath That's did Grandma awesome. Sweet put in? Oh, gosh. I, I forget <laughs> which album. But my dad was the same way. My dad would blast Sabbath. He loved Sabbath. He loved uh, Elvis. He loved uh, uh, Pavarotti. He loved everything in between. I mean, I, my, my musical tastes are very eclectic because of my family, and it was passed on to me. And I... I I love all styles. If it's a good song, I'm there. Cool. Again, Walt mentioned at the beginning, we did go head-to-head on a friendly little battle on this. Walt, what do you got for Michael? Well, I think, uh, you know, first of all, Michael, I, I'm, a, I'm a corporate guy in the business world, and I, I give you credit for going out there and doing some market research and, and checking the demographics of, like, the 30 and under crowd uh, would listen to. So a big thumbs up from the corporate guy here. Um, but on to near, you know, again, near, I've listened to a couple times this morning and you know what? Yeah. Sometimes you hate work using the word ballad, call it a ballad, call it a mid pace mellow song. It's a heartfelt track. As Vern said, it feels good. It could be written from the perspective of, you know, from a religious or from a godly point of view, it can be about, you know, a person that you love, your spouse or your kids or whatever. But to me, that's a, it's a classic striper song all the way through from the lyrics to the meaning to the, um, to the song structure. And then ashes to ashes that ends um, the, the album. I mean, this is where Verno and I, you know, we gave each other the virtual bro hug and we said that this is probably our favorite. It's the standout track on the album and it's just a perfect way to close it out. It's got it all, the heavy, fast drums, the riffs, the soaring vocals, the screams, and it's extremely melodic. And I hope that you guys throw this one in your, in your live set when you, when you hit the road for that. So um, talk quickly about those two songs. Oh, man. Well, Near is one of my favorites for sure. And, and just as a song, uh, you know, I love writing. And I'm big into songwriting, and I pay attention to songwriters daily. Um, and you know, when I hear a good song, I, I, I get, I'm fascinated with how it was written and who wrote it and what went into it. Uh, it's just very fascinated with all that stuff. So near to me in terms of songwriting might be the best song on the album. Um, is it everyone's style or cup of tea? No, but it's probably one of my favorites along with the way, the truth, the life, I love Ashes to Ashes, too. That's the metal side of me. Transgressor and Ashes are probably my two favorite metal tracks on the album. Um, and I just love that style. I'm a big Priest fan. I think everybody knows that. Uh, not as big a Maiden fan. I like Maiden, but Priest takes the takes the crown, man, easily. And uh, I'm a huge Priest fan. So, uh, you know, that's my inner Priest coming out on those two songs. Uh, in in some ways, certainly in the, the style, especially the style of drumming, the way Ashes opens up, it's, it's very painkiller. Uh, and I really pushed Rob on this album. I've been working with a drum software program called Easy, Easy Drummer. And 
what I do is I go and I find the right groove, a loop that's maybe 10, 15 seconds long, has the right pattern to it to go along with the riff. And then I go in and I manipulate. So if it's like, I'll do, you know, I'll add kicks to it and manipulate it and make it a completely different pattern. And I did that on all these songs. I programmed all these songs on the drums and sent them out to the guys, to Robert, of course. And I really pushed Robert. Some of the stuff on this album, he was like, man, I don't know if I can play that. I'll, I'll give him my best. And he did. He nailed it. Uh, but I really pushed him to try different things on this album. And that intro is one of those things. Yeah, let me share some of my notes and maybe you could agree with it. Fast guitar, the song shits and gets and gets right into it. Definitely a harder song. Cruncher, fantastic. The band is in the pocket for sure. And then on Robert's notes, double bass at the end of the drums is killer. Great drum work again by Robert on this album. Definitely could see this song in the live set. So, Michael, I guess (laughs) your nudging of Robert and illustrating what could be done transcended into my ears. So job well done, sir. Well, good, good. Yeah. And I, I've been in a very gentle, nice way, pushing Rob, especially uh, on the last album and on this album. Uh, and, you know, wanting them to try different things uh, like on take it to the cross. You know, that's not normally Rob's style. Uh, it, it typically, if you go back and listen to the old catalog, you, you won't really hear that style, but I've been trying to push Rob to do a little bit more of that double bass stuff to modernize the sound of the band on certain songs lately. And he's been killing it, you know, and doing a great job of it. Hey, Michael, we want to be mindful of your time. I'm hoping you can give us another few minutes, but we just wanted to wrap up our uh, discussion with you today and, and go back and talk a little bit about, what we call the history of heavy metal segment. Um, And for today, I've written my notes that I wanted just for you to comment on, and then you can get into maybe some of the plans for the band and promoting the new album and that kind of thing. So um, I'll joke by saying this, but I think you must have stock in the uh, Frontiers label because uh, you've had a lot of collaborations on that label. But I think it's um, maybe a way for you to, to tell the listeners a little bit of some of the stuff you've done outside of Striper. You've, collaborated with George Lynch, um, and then you had a recent project, actually recent projects, uh, one with Tracy Guns called Sunbomb, and then the one that I like was the uh, supergroup Iconic that had Joel Hokestra and then Nathan James from Inglorious. Uh, you guys were there, and what was interesting about that one is you didn't sing on that one. You played guitar, and then I'll even go back to further in history where you fronted uh, the classic rock band Boston for a period of time, so... Your chance to shamelessly plug your non-striper stuff. Oh, man. Well, I did sing on the uh, Iconic album on two songs. I did two duets with Nathan. and uh, But, yeah, I'm not the singer on the album, uh, and rightfully so. I mean, Nathan's killer, and the whole point of that was me to just play guitar and more so to, to be involved as a, a producer and a, uh, a writer, you know, and that's, I feel, what I brought to the table with that project. But you know, it just, man, I love working. I love recording. The fact that I can still do it and people want to work with me is humbling and puts a smile on my face. And I just love these opportunities. And if I feel good about something, or I feel led to do something, I will do it. And some people don't understand, like, how can you work with an atheist like George? And it's like very easily. Uh, 
And George is someone I look up to as a player and we're friends and we make good music together. So why in the world wouldn't I consider doing that and limit myself because I'm Christian and he's atheist. That's just silliness. So I'm, I'm breaking down those barriers and those walls that people put up for no apparent reason. And I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. So there's a lot in the works. There's a sweet Lynch three in the works coming out next year. Uh, there's a new album, new album I'm doing with Alessandro Del Vecchio, uh, Sweet Del Vecchio. I don't know what that will be called, but it's going to be a little more radio friendly, as we were talking earlier, uh, more along the lines of Journey, Total, Boston, uh, different for me. I have a new inspirational album that's done. It's killer and completely different. People will hear and say, no, that's not Michael Sweet. It's, it's, very, it's very different. Um, and I have a new solo album in the can. All the music is done. Hard rock slash metal uh, with CJ Grimark of Sweden. He plays in a band called Narnia. He's absolutely stellar. One of the best I've ever heard and amazing. Uh, and then what else? Um, I've got the documentary we're doing next year, Striper. And uh, we're touring a lot next year uh, in support of this new album. Wow, I'm exhausted just listening to the head schedule. <laughs> I, I'm telling you guys, if, if you look at the calendar, if you look at the striper calendar, you will have your heart will stop. Uh, it, I look at it daily and I get overwhelmed, but it literally is filled entirely for all of next year and into the following year. And it's insane. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> crazy. Well, you know what? Uh, a couple of years ago, you couldn't do anything. So it seems right. So that's right. The kit, the kiss cruise this weekend. Then uh, you have some dates in November, the whiskey, a go, go. And then that heaven and hell metal fest in Mexico. So the end of the year looks like, uh, you know, like you just said, you're jammed up till 2024. It's, a, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. And we'll be filling 2025 and six starting next year. And, uh, you know, I, my plans are to keep making albums until I can't make albums anymore. And I'm, I'm 59. So I figure I've got, I've got some time if Lord willing, if I'm still alive, uh, I don't see any reason why I can't still be in the studio up until in my mid seventies or early eighties, as long as I can sing. When I'm start starting to show signs of aging so much so that it's not enjoyable for fans, that's when I'll quit. I am not going to go out there and embarrass myself uh, and, and sound like crap singing and struggling to sing or play for that matter just so I can you know continue doing what I want to do in a selfish manner and you're trying to make a buck. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's the day I'll quit. And I'll do something else. Well, that, there's a lot to be said about that, Michael. Um, you know, you, you remarked earlier about uh, Rob Halford and Judas Priest. Uh, I was able to catch them two Saturdays ago up in Albany. And Rob at 70 still sounds amazing. I'm sure you're going to follow suit with him. I, he's even able to rub elbows and grab a quick selfie with him. So yeah. um, I'm tying that back in. But uh, Rob's that's killer. amazing stuff. So I, I love him. I love Rob, man. Uh, not to interrupt, but yeah, he... he He's my biggest influence. I would say uh, Rob and Steve Perry 
are probably my two biggest vocalist uh, vocal influences. But I don't sound really anything like Steve. Uh, in the old days, I used to do whoa, whoa. I used to do that stuff on uh, some of the old like Calling on You songs and stuff like that. These days, I'm a little more Halford uh, influenced. But, you know, Halford changed my life as a vocalist. I heard him sing, and he inspired me to work on my upper range and develop my my screams. And I never screamed before I heard Rob, ever. I will say this. I hope that that new home you're building has a giant studio because maybe you can't afford the fees of going out there. So you build the house and have the studio there for all these projects, right? I do have a studio at my new house. It's not giant, but it's nice. It's a killer little man cave. And I'll, I'll do some live videos from that room once I get in there, which we're still a month or two away. Uh, but yeah, it's going to have my studio. And I'll be able to track all my vocals and all my guitars there. I uh, can't track drums there. It's not big enough, uh, not set up for that. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting in there. It's going to be awesome. Cool. Well, listen, we want to be mindful of your schedule here and uh, since you're out in the rain and uh, on the side of the road there. But thank you so much for your time. Um, this has been a great conversation, and uh, we, we wish you the best with uh, great positive reviews and press on the new album. And hopefully get to see you down in the New York, New Jersey area next year. I'll make sure I get down there and say hi if I get a chance. That would be and, awesome. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. Likewise, God bless you. You guys have a great uh, rest of the week. And I look forward to seeing you in person, shaking your hand. And uh, can't wait to get out and play these songs live, man. Going to be killer. All right, Michael. Thank you for joining us. And um, have a great day, sir. Okay, you too. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.